Uh, yeah, um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to get to speak to you today. Um, and I'm going to be carrying on this series we've started on the Psalms. So Lucy started this last week, and I have to admit, I was a little bit frustrated. Lucy's a friend, she won't mind me saying this. But Lucy spoke on Psalm 23, which is like the most iconic psalm there is. So it's just all downhill from there, and I don't really know how we're supposed to follow that. But um, I'm going to be speaking on Psalm 126, and I was just going to jump right in. So it's Psalm 126 in the NIV. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So, nice short one. Quite like it. <laughs> um, the first thing I want to say is that no one really knows when this psalm was written or what it's kind of in relation to in Israel's history. Um, a few theories are that it's about the time of captivity, um, but the one thing that's kind of clear to me is that the writer obviously experienced God's goodness and God's bringing restoration to himself and to the people, but in order to have experienced that, he must have gone through something difficult and he must have experienced something that needed restoring. He was clearly acquainted with the highs and the lows of life with God. And that's my first point, a bit of a wordy one. Um, this is the literature degree. It says, the natural pattern of our spiritual lives, which particularly um, in verse four that I wanted to talk about, it says, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. I didn't know what the Negev was when I first read it. A bit of research, found out it's a desert region in southern Israel, which is like deserts are, it's very dry. Um, and in the summer, it gets like almost no rain whatsoever. But in the winter, it gets enough rain that dry riverbeds get filled up and you get these streams in the desert and it's a cycle. It happens every year. It's a pattern of, of nature. And I think the psalmist is trying to tell us something here about our own lives, that we'll go through ups and downs. We'll have dry seasons. We'll have refreshing seasons. We'll have seasons of blessing, seasons of struggle, seasons where God gives, seasons where God takes away, seasons where everything hurts, and then seasons of healing as well. Um, there will be sorrow, and there will be joy in life with God, and Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything under the sun. And that can be a bit sobering for us, a bit challenging. We don't always want to admit that things aren't always going to be great, because we'd much rather things always be lovely and wonderful. But just as challenging as it is, it's also so encouraging to know that things aren't always going to be good and things aren't always going to be bad because we serve a God who does restore because that's who he is. And there's a verse in Peter that I really love. It's 1 Peter 5.10. It says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And the verses leading up to this talk about resisting the enemy, submitting to God, standing firm in faith. In other words, it's saying, trust Jesus and he will restore because it's just who he is. It's just what he does. It's the natural pattern of him and of our life with him. Um, which leads me into my second point, kind of a natural follow-on. Uh, to kind of embrace this pattern of the ups and downs, or I've put it, embrace the rhythm. 
because it's so much easier to talk about the highs and the lows than it is to live them and to go through them and to face them with any kind of fortitude, I suppose. That verse in Peter says, after you've suffered a little while. It never feels like a little while, though, does it? <laughs> when you're in the middle of it, days or years, it always feels like it's never going to end. But there is hope, because back in the psalm, verses 5 and 6 say, um, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Which leads me to ask a slightly strange question. Are you going out weeping? I don't mean that like on your morning run. You're crying in the street or you're having a meltdown in Tesco in your weekly shop. I don't think that's what the psalmist is getting at. I think he's telling us not to resist the difficult times, not to fight them off, not to fight against the tears. I think he's telling us to sit with them, to let us, let us feel that and embrace whatever it is we're going through so that God can use it and to bring something good out of it. And as with most things, Jesus is a great example of this. And there's a time in the New Testament, of course, in the Gospel of John, where the disciples tell him that one of his friends called Lazarus is ill, basically. And Jesus says, I know, I'm God. He's ill. He's going to die. I'm going to bring him back to life. Didn't quite say it like that, but when you read the text, you realize that's what he's saying. And what I kind of love about it is that Jesus knew what he was going to do. And it says that when Jesus got to the tomb and saw the place they'd buried him and saw everyone mourning, it says Jesus wept anyway because he didn't rush the moment and he didn't skip over his sorrow, push past his feelings. He sat there. And then when it was God's time, just a few moments later, his joy was turned, his sorrow was turned into joy in a restoration of life. So are you going out weeping in your difficult times? It's not easy. I know it's not easy. But if we can follow Jesus' example, it's always a good way to go. Which leads me on to my final point, which is everything's about Jesus at the end of the day. Is that Jesus is our restorer. Because he did it on the cross 2,000 years ago. We restored our relationship with him and with the Father. And he can restore you today, whatever you're going through. He can restore your situation, your life, your soul. He can restore it all. Verse 1 in the psalm says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. When the Lord did it, not when anyone else, and when you did it in your own strength, not when time just had its course and things happened, but when the Lord did it. Because when he comes, things change. Because he is the one who can restore us. And it might not look how we want it to look. It never does with God. It's never how we expect it to be. He might not do what you want. He might not restore when you want or how you want. But I was thinking about it and I thought that's actually a really good thing. Because another famous verse in the Bible, Ephesians 3.20 says that God can do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. Which means if you're thinking it, God's got something better in store. And it's about surrendering to him and trusting Jesus with your restoration. So my challenge to you, 
as I finish, is to do what the psalm says, to do what Jesus did. Maybe think about a time in your life or an area, maybe pray about it, ask God to, to show you where you're longing for restoration. Where maybe God's let you down a bit, you're a bit disappointed, you're not sure where he was at a certain time or in a certain place, and do what Jesus did, and sow your tears, go out weeping, surrender it to God again, and trust that his will is greater than ours, and that he can do so much more than you can ask or imagine, because he is the God of restoration. And I know that's easier said than done. (laughs) I really do. But I do believe if we trust him, then there's always hope for restoration, whatever it is you're going through. So I'm just going to pray to close and then hand back over to Rob. Father, we thank you that you are a God of restoration, a good God, a kind God who loves us so much. I pray you'd meet your children today where they need you, where they're longing for you, that you would fill their mouths with laughter and their tongues with songs of joy. Thank you that you are our restorer and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen.